welcome to the special presentation where we spotlight a podcast from the Love Thy Nerd community. Today, our spotlight is on Worth It or Worthless, a retro game podcast where they take off their nostalgia-tinted glasses and review retro games to decide if they're good by today's standards. On today's episode, they're sharing with us, they're looking at Donkey Kong Country. Welcome to Worth It or Worthless, a show where every couple weeks we pull a game from my own personal collection of retro games, take off our nostalgia-tinted glasses, and decide, is the game good by today's standards, and is it worth the price of admission? We talk about what the game does well, what the game doesn't do so well, and the things that are just plain weird. I'm your host, Dan, joined as always by my friend Jordan. Jordan, what do we get into today? Today, we play Donkey Kong Country on the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. Donkey Kong Country is the story of one crocodile's quest to gather every banana in the world and the two apes who will stop at nothing to make sure his plan never succeeds. (laughs) I feel like uh, your description is strangely on point for once. What do you mean for once? These are always (laughs) like the pure essence of the game boiled down into a single summary. Yeah, uh, I... Now, did you have to read some kind of description to understand what was going on here? No, I mean, I, um, I mean, we'll get there because we'll talk about the story of this game or the lack <laughs> of a story in this game. I have, I have no clue what's happening. Like, um, you just get dropped in. There's this little cinematic that plays, and you see Cranky Kong up on top of some girders, kind of like the Donkey Kong arcade red girders yeah and then all of a sudden you get thrown into this game well the cinematic continues and donkey kong's playing his boombox and then Mm. cranky kong throws a barrel of tnt and blows up the boombox but then you just get (laughs) dropped into this game and all of a sudden you're you're a gorilla and there's a little chimp friend and you're just going around murdering countless crocodiles and collecting as many bananas as you can and that's all you get so you kind of have to create your own story in your head. Now, are you murdering the crocodiles or are you just making them faint? Um, <laughs> oh, is that a Pokemon? <laughs> That's a Pokemon question. I don't know. I guess they, you bop them on the head and they fall off the screen. Some, there's some sort of physics in this world that when you jump on a creature's head it all of a sudden loses its positioning in the time space continuum and it just drops through whatever solid structure it's on and into some sort of metaphysical <laughs> abyss uh, is that the most These science all, we've ever gotten on this podcast yeah that well besides the time <laughs> we went way too in depth on um cat feces but <laughs> You really you really do have to just sort of make some leaps with this game because there's just not a whole lot there. You just you get thrown in there. Donkey Kong, obviously one of the most popular arcade games of all time. Um I, I don't remember the statistics, but it made a, a gazillion dollars. Somewhere close to a gazillion <laughs> one dollars. Gazillion. And then Nintendo was like, Yeah, we don't want to use that character anymore. And you had to wait a super long time until Donkey Kong... I mean, there was like Donkey Kong Jr. and all that garbage. But like, this was our first real Donkey Kong game on a on a console, right? 
So I watched this whole like history of Donkey Kong Country. All right, uh, I'm ready. Let yeah, me hear it. <laughs> it was like 43 minutes long or something uh, on YouTube. Nick930 is the, the creator that made this whole thing. And he, he goes over the history. And apparently the, the market crash of 83 is kind of what happened to Donkey Kong. Um, they just decided to kind of quietly push him to the background when the, the, the market crashed, according to the video I watched. They're like, we're going to keep the good guy from Donkey Kong and make our entire video empire around Mario. And we're just going to forget the actual guy whose name was on the video game. I don't know, man. You know what, though? If they would have stuck with that mentality, our first Super Mario Bros. game would have just been called Koopa. <laughs> or Bowser. Or I don't, what was even his name in the first Super Mario Bros. game? I don't even know. King Koopa? King Koopa. All right. Well, so what is Donkey Kong Country for, <laughs> for anybody who's never uh, had the um, the pleasure? All right. Well, Donkey Kong is a side-scrolling platforming game on the Super Nintendo, and it's you know similar. If you've ever played a platformer, you jump from platform to platform, stomp on bad guys' heads, and try to make it from the left side of the level to the right side of the level, and that's pretty much Donkey Kong. <laughs> Yeah, that's, um, <laughs> I feel like that's a gross simplification, but, uh, yeah, I feel like that's, that's not inaccurate. I think we can help people get a little bit better picture of what Donkey Kong Country is by looking at what this game does well. The number one thing that kind of stood out to me when I was playing this game is that it just feels like a much more modern game than many of the 8 and 16-bit games that we've played so far on the podcast. Yeah. I mean, you have checkpoints, you have fast travel, um, you have you know multiple save slots. It just felt a little bit more modern than a lot of the other Nintendo and Super Nintendo games that we've played. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, yeah, I can, I can see that. Uh, I think that once we get to what the game doesn't do so well, I have a few points on that. Of course you do. Especially, you you know, we got to look at the games by today's standards. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it, it makes sense. It was a Super Nintendo game, and so there were some like improved quality of life features. And so I'll definitely give you that, but it's like I can't help but feel like by today's standards, I don't know how many of these features feel up to snuff, if that makes sense. That's fair. That's fair. I, I will say it does not feel like a fully modern game, but it definitely feels like a big step in this direction yeah. compared to some yeah. other games that are definitely more grounded in the retro world. Yeah, I'll give you that for sure. What about you? What stands out to you for what this game does well? The very first point that I have about what this game does well is the music. I just think the Ooh. music is so good in this game. <laughs> um, I feel like the soundtrack is still fantastic today. And it just, as much as we try to remove nostalgia glasses on this show, like I just feel like, this just hit me both nostalgically 
and uh just like yes i just want to keep listening to this music i think one of the cool things about the soundtrack is it's not just good music but it also fits perfectly for the game you have like a very jungle vibe and when you go and you shift to the underground levels like or the underwater levels Every level like has music that fits the area perfectly. You're never like, ah, oh, this doesn't really fit. Yeah. And they did a really good job of meshing the the vibe of the level with the the sound of the music. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think kind of going off of that is you can't mention the music without mentioning the graphics of this game. Mm. And it's definitely a big step up from a lot of the flat 2D pixel art sprites that we're used to in 8-bit and 16-bit games yeah the uh so part of the the lore and history with this game was kind of how revolutionary it was at the time because it came out in 1994 towards the end of the the life cycle of the super nintendo and rare had some like seriously advanced technology where they were actually using 3d models and kind of basing everything off of that and then scaling it down to actually run on the super nintendo hardware and so for the time and i mean even today these games still look good to me um but it's super impressive like it's not like a star fox situation where it's like you play it now and it's like ah okay it was advanced for the time, but now it's like it really look, doesn't look very good anymore. But this game still actually looks good because it's not trying to do 3D stuff. It's just a 2D game that looks like it's made out of 3D models. And um, I think that the graphics do hold up surprisingly well. Yeah, and it's interesting because if you were trying to emulate like a 16-bit style, you would never put as much detail into it as they have. Like they, yeah. It almost feels like a step between you know, the 16 bit and the 64 bit era. Yeah. And I think definitely, um, there was some sense of the PlayStation was coming out and the next generation of games and 3d was up and coming. And so I think I read that Nintendo kind of was really into this idea of having something that made it look like you didn't necessarily need to upgrade your console yet because look what we can do. And it was almost like, uh, I don't want to call it a bait and switch, but (laughs) they took Rare's very unusual situation and definitely made the most out of it, I think. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, this game on the Super Nintendo actually does look better than a lot of PlayStation 1 games. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. And Uh, the art style definitely feels and holds up a lot better than many N64 games. Yeah, that's one of the things that is a little bit rough about going back to N64 games is there it's almost, I mean, you're almost talking about like Atari 2600 levels versus like NES kinds of things. When you're talking about, uh, the difference between the early 3d and the late 16 bit, um, where those early games just by today's standards. And I don't even know, like they were cool at the time, but like nowadays it's like, man, these just don't look good. But, when you get like a 2d game uh on like the ps1 you know like a symphony of the night or even like mr driller is another weird game that i like it's an arcade game but it's like it still holds up to this day uh because there's just something about those games that they just don't look dated by today's standards like all those original 3d games do I think they just released a new Mr. Driller game on the Switch. They did. They played the demo, and it's uh, it's Mr. Driller. 
<laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it looked like Mr. Driller. Yeah, I, um, I don't know. Mr. Driller, <laughs> I have a weird affection for it. Ever since the first time I like saw a random arcade machine somewhere that I have no idea where it was, I was like, I like, I like this idea. And then I, th- I want to say I got into it like on my uh, old like phone. I had like this weird like <laughs> mobile version of Mr. Driller that I got really good at, and then I had it on DS. And like now to this day, for some dumb reason, like I'm like I just like this. It's fun. No, dude, I I can totally relate. I remember playing uh katamari damacy at a mm, friend's house mm. and then being like i need this game but i didn't have a playstation 2 <laughs> or whatever so i downloaded the like katamari version on my razor phone my you know just like what was that wow the, yeah it was like a it was a garbage game but it gave me my my uh my little hit of katamari that i needed <laughs> that you needed i've never been able to get into katamari i, I, do, I it, do remember you liking it a lot but i've never oh, man, been able to just, like get there with there's it. something so satisfying about just rolling up objects you start rolling up little paper kick clips and then 10 minutes later you're rolling up the entire solar system because your ball has gotten <laughs> so big and it's like some sense of power that you just you feel yeah i don't know, I don't know. amazing I, I think i had like i i bought uh, a katamari game on 360 yeah and i just i i think maybe a couple hours of it i just was like i can't i don't know I don't get it. It's not for everybody. I'll say that. It's definitely not for everybody. Uh, anyway. All right. Uh, the next thing Kong. that I have that this game does well is the secrets. Yeah, secrets. There's lots of secrets in this game. There are a lot of secrets. In fact, one of the things on the save menu is a percentage that is associated with the number of secret rooms that you find. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the level design... Uh, points you towards secrets and it's there's something satisfying about finding a lot of the secrets in this game uh, especially when they're the levels don't point you to the secrets yeah because a lot of the times you'll have like a banana trail to like the bottom of the screen like jump in this pit there's a barrel in here um but i don't know is that are there do you know if there's secrets in every single level there are and you can tell when you've gotten every secret in a level because on the world map, there'll be a little red exclamation point. So, you know, you've gotten all of them in this level and you can move on to searching in the next oh, level. Oh, now is that like a new game plus thing or because, what? Uh, well, is that just by default when you're playing through the game, it'll give you the red exclamation or is that not till after you beat the game? Ooh, that's a good question. I don't know. Because I played, uh, we should say, we, we've we played it with Rewind, the first playthrough. You actually finished a second playthrough without Rewind. I only got to maybe the third world without Rewind just because I didn't have time. Yeah. Um, so I didn't know, and I'd asked you, you know, initially when you finished it, if there was any indication um, that you got all the secrets. And because it's like, well what's the how do you know if you 100 percent it didn't seem like there was any particular uh visual indication so i wonder actually if you do if you have to wait till you beat the game to get that i um i only know this because i there was a video when the when donkey kong country was released on the switch online service 
they put out like a little video that shows you some secrets that you might not have otherwise known. Mm. And it will show you like, here's how to get 50 extra lives with Diddy Kong, or here's how to get 50 extra lives with Donkey Kong. And it goes through some basic secrets and it tells you that when you complete the game, and somebody sent this in as a trivia thing that I didn't use because um, I didn't think we'd talk about it, but when you complete the game, <laughs> it's actually 101% uh, is the total completion. If you hit 100, that's you're not quite there. 101%, and it tells you when you have all of the, the secrets in any given level because it gives you that little red exclamation point. So I don't think it's like a, you have to complete the game mm. thing before, but it, it could be. But I, I saw that in... Uh, official video from nintendo yeah now was that official video called donkey kong country exposed no it was called donkey (laughs) kong country classified information it was like a play on the old (laughs) nintendo power how they would do like the classified info sections you know so they made a video version of it and it gave you some of those little hints and tips which would have been super good to know i wish i would have known the code to get 50 extra lives you go on to the the save screen and you hover over a race and then you type in barrel b a right right a left and it gives you uh, 50 oh, extra lives I didn't like, know that, that would have been so freaking helpful that's hilarious uh, yeah. I am staring at a Nintendo 64 hot news VHS tape oh yeah it's yes I have it up on my shelf so <laughs> I appreciate that Nintendo uh, went to the trouble of uh, riffing on that old <laughs> Donkey Kong Country Exposed because apparently this game had like an unprecedented budget behind the marketing and everything Oh, really? Yeah, I guess like the budget was like $16 million for marketing on this, which was like unheard of at the time. Yeah, and especially so in 1994, that's yeah. I mean, you can basically double any early 90s number. When you look at like an old ad and it says the game was 50 bucks, inflation since the early 90s until today is almost exactly 200%. Mm-hmm. So if a game cost mm-hmm. 50 bucks back then, it would have cost $100 in today's money or today's economy. Yeah, it seemed to have worked out for them pretty well. Uh, when I was re- doing research, it said that this is the third best-selling Super Nintendo game, uh, and it sold 9.3 million copies worldwide. So, good for them. Yeah, good for them is right. <laughs> it paid off. Uh, they threw a lot of money behind it, and it paid off. Yeah, for sure. I think um, kind of going off what we've been talking about, uh one of the things that I think this game does really well is that it's challenging without being overly punishing. So the game is definitely mm. challenging. Whereas for me, as a person who's not very good at platformers, um, the game was challenging, but it's doesn't like it's not overly punishing. They give you tons of lives. Basically, every level you start yeah. off with two lives because you can play as Donkey Kong and Diddy Kong. And so if Donkey Kong gets hit by uh Kremlin, then well here you go you don't actually have to restart the level now you're just playing as diddy kong um so you you basically play every level with two lives there's lots of barrels throughout the levels to get more donkey kongs and diddy kongs and there's a ton of opportunities for one-ups like in those secret rooms you can quickly amass many one-ups and so the game is challenging, especially in some of the later levels, but they give you a lot of opportunities to rack up lives. And that's not even counting the cheat codes that I didn't know about to give you 50 extra lives. Yeah, but did you ever um, restart your game from a save slot, though? Because I had amassed, I don't know, 40 lives, and then I loaded my save 
from the game, not from a save state, but from the actual game save. And it ha- I had like five lives. What? Yeah. So if you, I'm pretty sure that if you just turn off your Super Nintendo and then turn it back on, you'll have like five lives. See, I was always down in the lower levels of lives, so mm. I wouldn't have ever amassed forty. <laughs> but I, because I would, I wouldn't go like farming for extra lives until I needed them. So I never. I didn't I farm for extra lives. They're super I know, generous you're just, with them. You're just good at the game. I think the most <laughs> lives I ever had was like nine, maybe ten. I don't uh, think I ever got over yeah. double digits, though. Yeah, I was pretty salty when I lost all those lives because it was like, oh, what's the point of getting all those lives if you're just going to take them away when I reload my game? To be fair, it takes less than three hours to beat the whole game, so why are you even, you know, just, just beat it? Well, if you're trying to beat it without rewind, it's a lot more of a chore that's true that's true it was definitely and that's so that's something to keep keep in consideration is when you're playing on the switch online you have the opportunity to do save states you have the opportunity to do rewind um and i felt like in my first playthrough i relied way too heavily on it to the point where like this isn't a game that's insanely difficult like and um you know we gave ourselves like a week to to play through it and so it wasn't like I was running out of time and just like needed to rewind and it actually made the game less fun. So when I went through and played it without rewind, I died a bunch and I had to like backtrack a bunch, but I actually had more fun because I felt like I felt, I don't know, like I felt like I was getting good at the game and like I recognized the patterns and like I was like flowing through sections and, um, (laughs) got some of that gig good, good, huh? It felt really good. Yeah. (laughs) Are you falling in love with platformers, Jordan? No, um, I I would say that this is, um, on the easy end of the spectrum as far as platformers go. Ah, that's really interesting. Um, and part of that could just be that like the physics feel good. Like the jumping feels good. The running feels good. Like the bouncing off of stuff. Like they, they just really tuned in the way that everything moves and bounces and like the way that everything feels. And so I think that that helps it feel easier than some of the like more clunky platformer or not even platformers, just some of the more clunky games that had platforming sections. Like I'm thinking of double dragon two, which Mm. was just like Mm. the worst platforming ever. Um, and in comparison to this, this was like a masterclass in how to program a platformer. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, I'm of two minds on it. Uh, level design, uh, is partially on my, my, what the game does well. Uh, and, and the first couple worlds, I felt like I had a lot of fun. Yeah. It, it, they were well designed. The game does feel good generally. Like I agree with you, uh, the physics and everything. Um, I wouldn't necessarily change much. And another interesting thing, like Donkey Kong and Diddy Kong both control differently. Yeah. So that adds another layer of uh, maneuverability. Donkey Kong's a little bit slower, but he's stronger and can take out heavy enemies, whereas Diddy has more agility and all that stuff. Yep. Um, but later on, I the, the level design is both what the game does and doesn't do well. And it's like... I would. <laughs> I don't know if this is what the game does well or what the game doesn't do so well, and I'm not trying to jump the gun, but I will say that I really like the level design early in the game, 
and less so later in the game. I didn't feel like it was easy like you said it was, which I'm surprised to hear you say. See, that's funny because um, the one of the levels that gave me the most difficulty, and this is true when I was a kid too, I remember getting stuck on this level and maybe never getting past it, is the first minecart I level. knew you were going to say that. Yeah, it's hard. It's really hard. But I felt like by the time I got to the second minecart level, I beat that in like two lives. Mm. And I don't know if it's because I had the physics more dialed in or what, but both playthroughs, I had no problem with the second minecart level. By the later levels, like I understood how everything worked. There was maybe some tricky sections. Um, the only one I can really think of is like that there was a moving platform level where you kind of have to just like guess, or you basically have to see the way that the level plays out and then go back and play it through. Mm. And so, like, that was not great, but I feel like the later levels weren't really any harder. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I maybe I just played it too much this week, and I'm just I got so good that like <laughs> I can't even see what was hard and not hard. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely get there in the next segment. Um, it's funny that you mentioned the minecart level because my first playthrough when I was actually using rewind, I rewound a handful of times in that level because like the last time I played this game was probably like four years ago, and that was a, a point of annoyance. So I was like, I'm not even dealing with this. I'm just rewinding my way through it. But see, I totally forgot about rewind. I didn't remember. Rewind. <laughs> I didn't remember rewind until like right after that level, and then I remembered it. And so I didn't use rewind on that minecart level, which is partially why I was stuck on it for so long. That's hilarious. But the second time when I was playing with that, uh, playing without rewind feature, I only died once in that level, and Dang. I nailed it. And I was like, that should not have. I that shouldn't have happened. This yeah. level is always a challenge and I just nailed it. I don't know if I was just in the zone, but I was like, man, how did I do that? That's very strange because <laughs> this yeah. level's super hard. Um, but I feel like that's the exception, not the rule in those first couple worlds. Oh yeah. That is by far difficulty. the hardest level in those yeah. first couple worlds. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the minecart level, uh, I have on my list of something this game does well is there's just really good variation. You have platforming levels. Mm. You do have those minecart levels. You have these barrel sections where there's, you know, it's what we all know about Donkey Kong. Now you have these barrels and you're launching yourself and some of them you have to time and some of them are automated. You've got water levels. You've got the blackout levels where um, you have to use the light switches or deal with the light turning on and off. And then there's the boss fights. Like there was just so many different kinds of levels. And I was playing through this and thinking like, man, Donkey Kong Country is actually a franchise that could have its own like Mario Maker style of game because Mm. there's so many different kinds of levels and uh, mechanics to work with. Like, I would love to see that. Yeah, that's really interesting too because in that history of Donkey Kong Country video I was watching, when you see like Donkey Kong Country Returns and you see Tropical Freeze, uh, you actually see a ton of variety with the directions that this franchise took. And I think you're, uh, you have a really interesting point there with like the whole like Mario Maker thing because, uh, there definitely is a ton of variety. And maybe that's part of why this game has sort of the, the legend that it has is it wasn't only like this technological marvel for the time, but there really is, uh, a lot of different environments and a lot to i mean standard platforming and then mine carts and then swimming and um 
I don't even know. Oh, the mini games. I totally forgot to mention the mini games. Yeah. You got multiple different kinds. You got like a slot machine, kind of like in the old Mario games. You've got collecting all the golden animals, which then mm-hmm. unlock their own little secret world mini games that let you rack up um, bonus lives. Then you got yeah. the banana gators. I got super good at the banana gators. I'm pretty sure I got every single extra life from a banana gator in my second playthrough. Wow. See, I, I, w- I got stuck at six and I was like, I'm not rewinding, you know, I'm not going to do this. And then like two times in a row, I think I got to one of those banana gators and it was like, I got killed on the sixth banana. I, well, I, I fainted on the sixth banana. Oh, okay. um, that's true. Donkey Kong never dies. He just like sits down and scratches <laughs> his head and like looks confused. Uh, speaking of Donkey Kong, uh, did you, uh, he slaps the ground as one of his moves. Did you find it useful? I did not. Like I thought maybe it would be able to reveal secrets hidden in the ground. Nope. It didn't do that. I think that you could use it to kill bad guys, but why would you? And you could just jump on their heads. (laughs) It was, yeah. I mean, you have, um, with Diddy Kong, you can do the little cartwheel thing, which is super useful for taking out the big bad mm-hmm. guys that he's not able to jump on. And then Donkey Kong has a roll. And so they both have like a, a moving attack. I don't really understand the purpose of smacking the ground. There must be something you can do with it, but I wasn't able to discern what that might be. I think you can maybe reveal some of the stuff if you have to like high jump on something to knock it out of the ground or whatever. I don't know if you noticed yeah. that. Like, I think yeah, maybe so I'm you can I, reveal stuff that way, but... Nope. I, I tried no? it on those. You have yeah. to jump off of something for all those. Yeah, and speaking of the rolling and cartwheels, that's another like interesting mechanic that this game has, is you can actually like cartwheel off a ledge and still jump, and you have to do that to get certain secrets or oh, certain le- letters. I almost texted you. That explains you. it. <laughs> I was like... There are some letters that you literally have to kill yourself to get. And thankfully, they still give them to you if you kill yourself getting them. So I actually would waste lives getting those sometimes. Yeah, I meant to text you and be like, pro tip, you can cartwheel off a ledge and still jump. Um. Dude, these are some crazy physics bending monkeys. What uh, else you got? Anything else that yes, stands out to you? I always have all these points, Jordan. You know I do. Let's hear him. Uh, what, I feel like this game feels simple and pure. Just get bananas and <laughs> get bananas and Kong letters and animal tokens for extra lives and get to the exit. Like it just yeah. feels uh, kind of like uh, the original Super Mario Brothers, where it's just like there's just a purity with it, where you just don't feel like a whole lot of distraction. Like you really can just charge towards the exit and ignore everything else if you want to, or you can take your time, find secrets, get rewarded for your, your exploration and uh, your skill in a lot of cases. But I feel like one of the things I really appreciated about this game, which sometimes when you go into these early entries, it's like, ah, this feels like it's lacking a lot of features. It's something that I strangely appreciated in this one. I also appreciate because I played Donkey Kong Country 2 a little bit this week just to uh, freshen up on what the differences are there. And there's yeah. a whole other system of secrets. There's big DK coins. There's banana coins. There's these like pirate coins that unlock stuff in the world. And oh, man. It, it gives you a whole other suite of secrets and exploration uh, at your disposal to kind of play with. But and, and there's something good about that. I like Donkey Kong Country 2, but I definitely didn't feel like there was almost a sense of relief (laughs) with the fact that I just had to 
collect bananas and get to the exit. Like, I just liked that for some reason. So I, I agree with you, and I tended to play it that way as well. I didn't do a ton of treasure hunting, although I did at some points. But I, I'm wondering, like, I think that I finished both playthroughs with about, like, 52, maybe 54% completed. Do you remember what your completion was? I want to say mine was maybe 58 or 63, possibly. Dang. okay. So in both of our cases, there was still a lot, like after beating the game, you could go back and search around and and do, if you so wanted to. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But even that, like with the, and I guess maybe this is a counterpoint, like there wasn't a whole lot of incentive. And when I kind of Googled real quick, like, is there a reward for getting 100% in Donkey Kong Country? I didn't find a quick answer. Uh, Cranky Kong will finally stop hitting you and he'll say he's proud of you. Oh, (laughs) But not at 100%. It's not till 101% oh. he stops hitting you. Now, do you know about the Cranky Kong lore, Jordan? I have heard out on the interwebs and in some dark corners <laughs> that Cranky Kong is supposedly the original Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong is Donkey Kong Jr. Yes. I don't think is he's that literally like Donkey Kong Jr., but the idea of Cranky Kong was that he is indeed the original Donkey Kong. Now, rare. Wait, 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 wait. You mean he's not like Donkey Kong Jr. from the arcade game and from Mario Kart? He is Cranky Kong's grandson. Okay. Uh, I don't know if he's officially Donkey Kong Jr. I didn't read that. All that I read was that rare. And they didn't want to pitch the the idea officially to Nintendo because they were afraid they'd turn it down. Um, but that Rare's idea behind Cranky Kong was that he was the original Donkey Kong from from the cart or from the cartoon. Which that's a whole make- other thing. Uh, <laughs> oh goodness! From the arcade yeah. game, the arcade game. It doesn't really make sense though because Cranky Kong is very obviously like a chimpanzee. Um. I got nothing for you because I think that technically Diddy is supposed to be Donkey Kong's nephew. Yeah. Uh, There's all sorts so, of problems. Yes, We're not going to get gorilla into that. and chimpanzee, but we'll just, you know. Lanky Kong is an orangutan. Yeah. Originally, uh, Diddy, they wanted to call him Dinky Kong, but they couldn't <laughs> because uh, there was a toy company, I think, named Dinky something or other. So okay. they, they couldn't do that. So... Just I don't know, <laughs> man. All sorts of a- interesting lore. We'll we'll stick the lore from the video games into what this game does well. Maybe the All lore right. from the TV show might not go with what the game does so well. <laughs> no, nobody should ever watch that garbage. I can't believe you made your son watch that. I, dude, we watched like three or four episodes of it, and um, as much as I love video game media. You know, the Super Mario Super Show, the Super Mario Brothers movie, um, where I'm like, this is a beautiful train wreck. I like this. This show is genuinely awful. Yeah, it's really bad. It's on the level. You know what it reminds me of? Have you ever, uh, you have seen this because you have a child, like those creepy, really poorly animated YouTube children's shows where like somebody kind of knows how to move models around like 3d models around and they like really poorly overdubbed them. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what the donkey Kong TV show is. Uh, I feel like that is about 80% of what my son watches on YouTube. 
I know. I'm, I'm saying like it's it's that quality. Like some some intern spent 15 minutes animating these yeah, with like no yeah. joints. It's all the same songs. It's all the same like nursery rhyme songs. It's just it's very strange. But yeah. Anyways, uh, the next thing that I have that the game does well is I like the donkey and Diddy Kong system. You can trade on the fly. They both play a little bit different. Uh, the co-op is kind of like a Sonic experience, uh, or you can kind of trade back and forth between players and stuff, but it's better than Sonic. Yes. Cause the second player can actually like play and be useful and stuff. Yeah. And um, yeah, I like Sonic the whole system. Dies, when Sonic dies, you don't get to just play as tails. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You don't get to taunt your friend. There's also a competitive mode, which I think both players kind of try to get through levels faster than the other one, but it's not like simultaneous. I uh, didn't get to explore it, but that's what I was reading. Interesting. Yeah. Did you, did you like the, I mean, I'm assuming you did, you know, the, the trading system. Did you, did you get into that at all? Or did you kind of just like, it was a background thing. Uh, yeah, you didn't I, really like intentionally use a whole lot. I would use it for sure. Especially in that platform that moving platform level let's look like the second to last level in the game i think and there is a point where you have to jump off a moving platform and there is a gigantic one of those fat army man koopa guys mm. and diddy kong just bounces right off his head and oh dies. i think i know what you're talking about over and over and over again i did that and yeah. i was like i'm an idiot i need to switch to donkey kong yeah but you can't switch characters when you're on a moving platform yeah or so, on a ramp yeah like you have to be on a flat surface it's kind of annoying too and yeah there was definitely times when i would use diddy kong because he was faster more agile Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh the next point that i have is that i feel like there's a good amount of game here it's like a large game that you can come back to over the course of several days before finishing it and i kind of appreciated that about it like it didn't it wasn't uh I played it in probably, I don't know, 20 to 40 minute bursts. And so I got quite a, quite a few days out of this one before I beat it. And that was with rewind feature. That wasn't even like playing it properly. Yeah. It definitely took me a lot longer to beat it properly. Yeah. I beat it in like one sitting with rewind, and, <laughs> uh, which it was like just over two hours maybe. And then without rewind, my, my save file said it was like two and a half hours, but that doesn't count all the times that I died and had to replay an entire section. So how did you I would have, say, what's that? I was going to say, how did you have the patience to, to stick with this for one playthrough or one session? Cause I found myself like ready to just be like, all right, it's time to not play anymore. I, of this. I had a good time. And with the rewind, it was really not that long. Like, like I mm. said, it was just over two hours. I blew through it. Yeah. I was expecting it to be over before it was with the rewind. And then it was like another, I don't know, 30 minutes of game left. I was like, wow, this is longer than I expected. That's sort of what I'm feeling about this. Uh, what the game does well section. Right <laughs> all right. All right. I got one more point then. Uh, the animals. I like the the variety of animals. Uh, it's kind of, you know, in Mario, you got your fire flowers, you got your tanuki suits, you got the whole deal. In this one, you yep. get animals. You got a rhino, you got an ostrich, got a... They all have names. A fish. Yeah. The rhino is named Rambi. The ostrich is named Espresso. 
You got Unguard. Unguard the fish. Yeah, you got sword a, fish. a parrot in one level that lights, yeah, lights it up. Yeah, one level, <laughs> maybe if you're lucky. I only unlocked him one time on accident. He's at the very beginning of the level. What are you talking about? How did you miss you him? You have to go into a secret room no, to you unlock don't. him. Uh, I did. <laughs> no, man. I played that whole level in the dark the first time. <laughs> And then the second time I went into some secret room and unlocked a parrot. Oh, man. No, yeah. He's like anyway, the, the last one level. is a frog. A stupid, yeah. gross, disgusting frog. I like we the frog. He's, he's probably my favorite one. No, frogs He felt like dumb. he had the most utility to me. What? No, he was terrible. He just made you less accurate and more likely to end up in a pit. No, not me. He was like, I could jump on top of bees. You know, I could jump, jump. on top of bees. Yeah. That's, that was nice. It yeah. was nice. Yeah. I could jump really high. It's, it's nice. I liked him. I liked the frog the best. All right. All right, Dan. Yes. You ready? Yes. I don't. Yes. Let's. Uh, all right. I think that is going to wrap up what the game does well. Finally. Let's move into what the game doesn't do so well. What do you have? The number one thing for me has to be that the save points are in incomprehensibly stupid places. <laughs> are the you talking about points, the literal checkpoints or the Candy yeah, Kong? No, the Candy Kong save points where you save your game are in the dumbest places. It'll be near the end of a world, so it's completely worthless. Once you get into the next world, you have to beat the entire world before you can save, or you got to beat like three quarters of the world before you can get to um, Funky Kong and go back to a place to save. I There were so many times when I would use almost every single life, finally almost beat a world and be one spot away from Candy Kong. And then I would die and have to do all of it over again. And man, it just was like, they did not help you out (laughs) one bit with the location of those Uh, save points. Welcome to retro games. (laughs) I mean, it was nice to have them. Don't get me wrong, but it it felt like they were purposely teasing you Mm. and they were purposely trying to make the game longer by doing that. Yeah, I definitely the the thing that I have written down is the archaic save system is yeah. something that the game does not do so well. Uh you should definitely they should be earlier and I in Donkey Kong Country 2, I think they actually are. And when you get to one you get one free save and then it costs you I think banana coins, but uh the save system in this one definitely felt like it was way too far into the worlds, especially like I don't, you can't go back without Funky Kong, can you? No. So, w- yeah, with that, it's like, that's kind of strange. Um, another thing that really bugged me about this, and we've kind of touched on this a little bit already, is that there is no story, which is kind of strange because <laughs> this is such an iconic character. It's Donkey Kong. He's finally back after all these years. And now there are crocodiles everywhere. Why? 
uh, how are all of these monkeys related? Why is Cranky Kong so cranky? There's just like a giant bottomless pit of questions that I have, and there isn't <laughs> even a single screen of text or anything. The only thing you get is like, I guess all of these crocodiles stole my bananas, but you only really understand that after you beat the game and then look inside your hoard and realize like, oh, I was collecting bananas that they must have stole from well, me. So the first level of the game, you can actually go in the banana hoard and discover that it's empty. Yeah, if you do the most nonsensical, unintuitive thing in a platformer ever and go left. <laughs> I mean, I I don't know. I don't know. It's just it's weird. Why did they why is there no story? Yeah, I thought it was very strange and I knew that you I immediately uh, knew that you were going to bring this up. Like when I started playing the game, I was like he's going to be mad that there's no backstory. But you're right. Even the arcade game like has a story. You see, like Donkey Kong grabs the girl and climbs the tower. Like, how does a, a super ancient arcade game have more story than this game that they spent millions and millions of dollars on? I don't know, man. I don't know. You get the the moderately pointless Cranky Kong sections of the map where he like gives you tips and makes fun of you. He gives you tips sometimes about levels that you've already passed. Yeah. And then he hits you with his cane. And he talks about back in his day and all this other nonsense. But that yeah, I just skipped every Cranky Kong on my second playthrough. Yeah. There's not really any world building and it's very strange. I don't understand why they wouldn't have like made a cutscene of like King K. Rule like stealing your bananas or something. Um, right. I'm thinking of like the the opening scene of Donkey Kong 64 does this really well. They're like, they set up exactly what's going on and this game is lacking that. I would not know. One of the only things that Donkey Kong 64 does better than this game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, the next thing that I have is a few of the levels. Are, so I don't know if I should lump all the level stuff together or if these are like individual points the thing that i've written lump it lump it (laughs) um so some of the levels are really hard to see what you're doing they're either like really dark or like there's a couple snow levels where it literally hurt my eyes yeah uh, like uh, there's certain like uh, i have blackout basement where lights flash the whole time um there's just a, a bunch of weird for the all the variety and cool environments that this game takes you into, there's a lot of like, I don't know if this is a fun mechanic. Thankfully, a lot of those things are very short-lived. Like, there's yeah. not level after level of them. Even in the snow level, it's only a part of it. So, mm-hmm. they definitely are annoying, and they were definitely things that I struggled with, especially the the lights-off level when yeah. I didn't know about the, the parrot. Um, <laughs> yeah, they were they were obnoxious, but thankfully... They were not that long. Yeah. And so to continue my sort of point earlier about the level design, I'm like, well, it's kind of good. But then I feel like <laughs> I'm sorry, Jordan. I'm sorry. Uh, I feel like we've got a little bit of a Battletoad situation here. What? Where Never. they front loaded all of the good stuff. <laughs> No, Dan, you are so incredibly wrong. Not, okay, I'm not saying it's like, I'm not, it's it's not, I'm not calling it Battletoads, Jordan. 
Okay. I'm just saying, I feel like Rare has this tendency based on Battletoads where like the fun, it's more fun at the beginning of the game than it is later on. I don't, I mean, I feel like it's very balanced in what it does. You get very similar, like, like I mentioned in the, what it does well, there's a lot of different kinds of levels and they do a pretty good job of putting those throughout the whole game. So in the, even in the end of the game, you might have a swimming level, you might have a minecart level, you might have a, a platforming level. And so the only difference is they get harder, which does make them less fun, especially some of them, like you were saying, like there's stuff where you just, you, the only way to discover it is by, by dying basically. Like yeah. you, especially in the moving platform level, you don't see the next platform until it's too late. And really once you've played through the whole thing, you know what to do and when to jump and all that, but it doesn't do a great job of allowing you to see what's coming next always. Yeah, I feel like for the last like 25% of this game, I was kind of like over it. And a lot yeah. of that is due to the level design where it's just like, ah, I just feel like this isn't fun anymore. Like, you know, you know, one thing that they did do definitely in the later part of the game, it's all throughout the game, but it's definitely more in the later part of the games and it does make it feel more tedious and less fun is there are way more gotcha traps later in this dude. game. Dude. Yes, that is another thing that I have is the level design toward I have literally towards the end of the game the level design became very gotcha. And that is something yeah. that is so annoying cuz it's like you don't I never feel like Mario Super Mario World, Mario 3, Super Mario Brothers, I I never feel like I died in that game cuz gotcha. Uh So this is the perfect example of that. That's a really good example because there were so many levels in this game when I would be at the end, there's the little arrow that's pointing you towards the yep, exit. So yep. I'm just running towards the exit and then out of nowhere, mm-hmm. a crocodile pops up and I'm dead. Yep. It would be like in Mario. They're like, oh, hey, there's the there's the flagpole and you're just sprinting towards it and then out of nowhere, a hammer bro pops up and just chucks a hammer right yeah. in your face. Yeah. It's like Mario would never do that, but for some reason, they threw these little gotcha traps in or like I was talking about earlier, they'll they'll like um, put the hidden thing right over the, the pit, which now that you're telling me you're not supposed to just jump in the pit and die makes a whole lot more sense. Yeah. But even without those, there are a ton of gotcha traps in these games. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just... <sighs> I think I, I'm I'm just stuck on the Mario thing, because like <laughs> Mario games, like World Eight is pretty hard on Mario games, but it never feels like obnoxious. Like yeah, you got to be good to get through it, but it 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 feels so much more manageable than like oh I'm gonna go back to the checkpoint because you threw a crocodile at me as I was like sprinting towards the exit on just a complete straight way. Like where's the this stupid thing come from? Yeah. Um, or like the that first minecart level, they do the same thing where you're like, oh, I finally made it through. There's another crocodile. Like, yep, yep. That was definitely one that got me. You're like, yes, I made it onto the platform. Here's the exit. Boom, you're dead. Yeah. It's it's. I don't know. It's part of. The, I, Feels bad. Yeah, and maybe that's just a lot of retro game level design. But like looking at it by today's standards, like nope, nope. You know what's funny just though? Not good. 
those are exactly the things that I do when I play Super Mario Maker. <laughs> but it's because I'm messing with my friends and not creating a game that yeah. somebody's going to market with $16 million of advertising. Yeah, money. yeah. Uh, the last thing I think I have is that the boss fights feel fairly pointless and not very, like, they're not fun. They, Ooh, they see, just kind of are silly. And I disagree. Really? I disagree. I normally suck at boss fights. I'm usually terrible. <laughs> You're good at these. I was good because every single boss fight has a super easy, uh, easily determinable pattern. And as soon as you know the pattern, then they're easy. Yeah. And I was able to beat King K. Rule, I think, in like two tries because his patterns were super obvious. Yeah. And every single boss had an obvious pattern. The only one that took me a little bit to get was... Uh, the second time you fight Neki, the like bird that shoots nuts at you. <laughs> the first time you play him, uh, the level is called Neki's Nuts. Come on, Rare. <laughs> then the second time you fight him, I kept like dying because I didn't realize that you have to wait for him to shoot out all four nuts before you can actually hit him. Yeah. And then as soon as I knew the pattern of each boss, it was easy. It never took me more than like one or two tries to kill him. You uh, you loved Dum Dum Drum. <laughs> That one, yeah. The thing about that one is I kept jumping and like trying to attack the barrel, not realizing that all you had to do was outlast the barrel. Uh, yeah. I don't know, man. I did not feel great about the boss fights in this one. It's fair. that They're not the best part of the game, but it is just, you know, a little way to end each world. Um, I didn't like that they repeated some bosses. That wasn't, you know... I don't really need to fight naughty a second time. Well, wasn't he a very naughty and then something else like yeah, super naughty or something? I didn't need that. Yeah. Uh, All right. You want to hear my last super nitpicky thing? I don't know. Do I? This is something that they never <laughs> would have thought about in 1994, but has become a huge part of 2020. The bees and I don't know if you played this with like the sound rocking, the bees have the exact same tone as the vibration on my phone. And what? every time, every single time I would, a wasp would be just off screen, it would buzz and I would think that my phone was buzzing. <laughs> I don't think that's a valid criticism. It, I don't know if it's my sound bar, my TV, what, but it was infuriating. And you don't even always know that the bees are coming. It's like, a, you know, there might be the first bee in a level. And all of a sudden, your phone's buzzing and you look down at it and now a crocodile popped up and killed you. Jordan, you have an Apple Watch. I know. Why I know. would you worry about your phone buzzing? My phone goes ding because it's on my wrist. <laughs> I would never in my life. Listen, Dan, never in my life would I have a sound turned on for my ringtone. Uh, yeah, that's so. My that wife just used to do extra that. Just unnecessary vibrate strength. all the time, and I never yeah. understood it. Imagine, but, imagine allowing a, a a noise into your world. At any point, somebody can trigger a noise in your life. <laughs> Dan, that is just so much unnecessary, unneeded stress. You're gonna. Uh, oh, all right. That's, vibrate, that's vibrate, very, gang. That's very nitpicky. Is that the last thing that you have? That's it, man. The bees sound like my phone. Didn't like it. <sighs> that's. <laughs> I had four, uh, oh, sorry, I had three valid points and one point that is valid but might be particular to me. Now, Jordan, is that a new record for you? Three valid points? What do you, are you <laughs> saying I normally have, I normally have more than that is what you're saying. Uh, I mean, 
per month maybe you got i usually try know. to have like three to four points of what it does well three to four points of what it does well <laughs> understanding that you're gonna have four thousand points four thousand yeah yes. yeah four thousand thanks man thanks i really 4, appreciate that all right it's over. i think 4, <laughs> that's enough about that think that you um if you couldn't pay play this on the nintendo online service which i couldn't do until just last month and this month you were living a different life where you collected retro games okay and you thought that they were worth more than two dollars a piece and and you had unlimited money (laughs) this is where we've come to uh yeah you know you know it's funny is, uh, you want me to say you don't want to know you don't want to know what i would pay for it at this point dan what you want to know is what you would pay for it all you want me to, this is the new game everybody no it's, it's funny jordan it's funny. guess how much dan would pay for this game no uh I've, I've been listening to old episodes recently yeah and i used to really try to like get you to say something besides two dollars yeah because you would say two or three dollars like I don't know, 90% of the time. Yeah. And it used to just really bug me. And now the show is sort of like, I don't know, evolved in a weird way. You know, sometimes we talk about burritos. I used to give you unlimited money. We used to just really try to make this work where you would would somehow be a game collector and it just never worked. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, trying to get back there, Jordan. If you had, if you had unlimited money, you didn't own a switch. If it was 1994, I'm ready. Okay. The <laughs> right, year well, is 20 the year is 2020. Yes. I am a video game collector with with without any money problems. I am able to just <laughs> look at the market, look at a game, evaluate based on how good it is, what it's worth in today's market yeah. and what it's worth to me to have it on my shelf <laughs> and taking into consideration all of those factors, I would say this game is worth $2. <laughs> I knew it. I'm just kidding. I, no, it's not even. I feel like this game is worth more than that. This is $3. a good game. I had fun with it. Would it's you pick it up off the game. ground to flip it on eBay? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good game. I could like. It's got good art. It's got good music. My oh, wife was man. like, "Hey, I used to play that game." Like, I could see, like, legitimately. Back in the day when I like first got a retro on five and I was uh, collecting some games, I would pay up to $10 for this game. Wow. Now is that cause like, you got I'm, good at it? No, I'm just like trying to like put myself in that mentality. Like <laughs> of back when I was actually sort of collecting games for a yeah. few short months. If you like, broke if your I switch. Saw this, if I saw this at a thrift shop and it was like eight to $10, I would I would maybe think about it. If I broke my switch, I would buy a new switch because I'm not a savage. I, want, <laughs> I don't want to be the only one out of 7.5 billion people on the right, face of this right, earth that of don't have a Nintendo of switch. Course. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you see the, did you see the um, Xbox announcement last this week 
or last week? Uh, th- no, I saw it was a, just like a, I saw today that uh, Domino's tweeted making fun of Halo Infinite's graphics, though. Yeah, well, um, sometimes so you gotta, I guess. Xbox saw that and they were like, "You're right, guys. We're not going to release the Xbox. Everyone has a Switch." And so then they just decided not to have an Xbox. Oh, they canceled anymore. the Series X. Yeah, but then they're going to put Halo on the Switch, and we'll all be happy. They canceled the the Xbox Frigidaire. Can I tell you how many times I've read some rando on on the internet or like on Reddit or something saying like, "Hey guys, my my cousin's friend's uncle works for um, Microsoft, and they're totally bringing Game Pass to the Nintendo Switch, and we're going <laughs> to get Halo Three. Do you know how many times I've read that and gotten like ridiculously excited, only to realize that this is a fantasy world and anybody can say anything on the internet? So the only what I will say about that is Xbox, like when Xbox One, like early on, they were talking about cloud computing and all that stuff, yeah. and like what that could do for games, and considering that with PlayStation now PS4 basically streams PS3 games from the cloud. I wouldn't call it out of the realm of possibility of Halo being playable on Switch at some point, especially since Microsoft seems to be playing nice with Nintendo. This is the thing. 99% of the people in the United States have the crappiest internet and could never stream halo off of a cloud so yeah until somebody figures out how to run internet i'll pay for 200 megabits per second down and then for some reason i can never get more than 10 like <laughs> it's not it's not gonna happen it, it's not gonna happen don't don't well, get my hopes up for you gotta, something that's not you gonna gotta look forward to the future also we you know we don't know what these new consoles are going to cost you know you're talking about 500 plus dollars if they're really worried about slow internet speeds in middle america i don't think that they're going to put out 500 dollars consoles i could be completely wrong you, i think you're wrong phil spencer came to my house and he asked me how many teraflops my internet <laughs> had how many teraflops? yeah he wanted to know yeah. how many teraflops my internet yeah had. yeah <laughs> anyways um i'm trying to think what i would pay I feel like... Wait, let me guess. Dan, you would pay $15 for this game. Because you have to say five more than whatever I said. Uh, I was going to say 10 to 15. Yeah. Probably. Um, It sounds like you had more fun than I did, though. Which is interesting. That's, like, almost always the case. Uh, Yeah, sometimes. Mostly because we haven't played a Batman game in a long time. Yeah, yeah. We'll fix that soon. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd say 10 to 15 is what I'd pay for this game. I can that's see a, it. That's a fair price. What uh, What do you think this one is going for on eBay? Um... It, you said it was like the... It's It's a really popular game. Lots of people had it. You did say it was later in the Nintendo Super Nintendo oh, 1994. Oh, okay, so not, not like crazy. late, late, but like not late. Okay, um, I feel like this is probably selling for like twenty two dollars. That's pretty close. That's pretty close. Actually, no, yeah, that is the eBay number. The price charting number is yes. is twenty dollars. The eBay number right. said it was trending at twenty two. Twenty dollars. That's a really interesting price. You yes. want to know why, Dan? Um, because because that's the the price of an entire year of Switch Online. Oh wow, what a concept! <laughs> if only everybody had a Switch. 
<laughs> anyway, 20 bucks. Um, 20 bucks. I'm going to say, like, for the physical cartridge, not worth it to me. But wow. since you can get this game as a package with, like, a hundred other games on the Switch Online and get save states, don't play this game with Rewind. You don't need it. But with save states, super helpful. Just do that. Spend the 20 bucks that way. Play the Game Boy Advance version. Oh, is there really one? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And I think I'll... Mm, 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 mm. There's Donkey Kong Land on the Game Boy. And I want to say they put out a Game Boy Color port of this game. I want to say that I read really? that. I think so, yeah. So, wow. That you would know. have been disappointing. <laughs> uh, Jordan, this one is going for... $18.49 in the PAL region. Oh my goodness, they're getting a better deal. <laughs> it's another Christmas miracle. The PAL region incredible. <laughs> clocks in lower than North America. <sighs> wow, uh, what a blessing for them. Yeah, $20, is that worth it or worthless? My gut- You just said you'd spend $10 on it and now it's twice as it much was, and you're asking. It was 10 to 15 Jordan. Oh my goodness, okay, 50% um, more. I man, I feel like twenty dollars is the maximum worth it for me. Oh, all right, I think beyond twenty bucks, I'm like no, no. Especially considering it's on the Switch Online service, but not everybody has a Switch. Um, so if you're strictly yet. doing the physical <laughs> yet, uh, strictly doing physical cartridges, yeah, I would say twenty dollars is probably worth it. You can probably also get it for like five dollars on the Wii U shop. <laughs> It might be six or seven because it's a Super Nintendo game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> On your new 3DS XL. There are literally dozens of us out here with Wii U's. <laughs> At some point, you're going to dust off that Wii U for the show. Yeah? Yep. Yeah. We're going to have to wait a while for it to get retro. we got to wait 15 years. Oh, no. we got GBA games. Oh. Oh, yes. In fact, the next... Uh, whenever we cover another Metroid game you're probably going to play it on Wii U. Nice. Unless, of course, Nintendo introduces Please. the Switch Online service with GBA games, which would that's my be That's my hope for yeah. this fall. If we can get Game Boy and Game Boy Advance games on the Switch this fall, that would be awesome. I know that everybody wants Nintendo 64, yeah. but emulating on 64 is just insanity, and I don't know that it's going to happen. Maybe they should just jump over that and just emulate GameCube games with the Switch Online yeah. service. <laughs> That'd be fine. <laughs> I think that we should move on, Jordan. All right, I'm ready. All right. All right, Dan. I got uh, I got uh, some interesting things here. The first one is not a trivia question, but just a fact that Crystal we should... Coconuts. This is a fact, and I can't believe we've made it this far into the episode without pointing out, um, as at Robert Cox 86 tells us, that Donkey Kong is not actually a donkey. In fact, he is a primate. <laughs> so uh, thank you, Robert, for that little fun fact. I should never have read the stupid fact in our last episode because I have a feeling now that we are going to get these sort of things every time. So thank you, That's Robert. Keep, I will n- keep sending them in. Keep sending him in. I'm not sending you a sticker in the mail, though. <laughs> Ain't nobody got stamps for that. Okay, this actually is <laughs> on, an interesting trivia question because we had three really good ones, but 
the format of the question in order to incorporate their fun fact into a trivia question was going to be difficult to come up with three different questions. So what I did here, Dan, is I mashed all three of their trivia factoids into one question. Okay. So the question is, which one of these facts is not true about Donkey Kong Country? (laughs) So I'm going to give you four facts. Wow. Three of them are true. I fact checked them, and they were submitted Ooh. by submitted by at Kenny Not ninety six at Fussel and at Adams. So those three sent us in these facts, and one of them was made up by the internet. Okay, and it's not true as per my fact checking. So which one of these facts is not true? A. Rare employees spent hours in person studying the motions of real live gorillas while developing the game. So Rare spent hours studying real gorillas. That's fact one. Or A. B. Donkey Kong was originally going to be called Monkey Kong, but his name was changed due to a blurry fax from Japan to the United States. That's B. C. Donkey Kong Country was one of the very first games to receive a rating from the ESRB. It was one of the very first games to receive a rating from the ESRB. Or D, Donkey Kong Country is the best-selling non-Nintendo-developed game on the SNES. So those are four facts. Three of them are true. One of them is not true. Hmm... The ESRB thing is interesting because you get into the Mortal Kombat stuff and all that. Um, I feel like it's got to (laughs) be famous last words. Uh, I'm going to say B. I'm going to say B is false. You think that Donkey Kong was not originally going to be called Monkey Kong until a blurry fax changed his name to Donkey. Yeah, because... you. Are you about to tell me I'm wrong? I don't know. Because Miyamoto was looking for a word for stubborn. Yeah. And that's where the name Donkey Kong came from. You are correct. There are a whole lot of of false rumors out there on the internet about how Donkey Kong got his name, ranging from somebody talking on the phone and mishearing monkey for donkey or a fax machine sending a blurry mm. fax and them thinking, like, why wouldn't you, like, you double check? Anyway, none of those make sense. You are correct. That is the not true one, which means that rare employees actually did spend hours at a nearby zoo yep. studying um, gorillas trying to figure out motions for the game. They didn't think that the motions of a gorilla would actually work, so they used a horse's gallop instead, which is why yep. Donkey Kong. I, so I did read that. Yeah, Donkey Kong Country was one of the very first games to receive a rating from the ESRB. It was actually one of the very first five to receive a rating. They didn't, wow. they didn't know what order they were, but it was in that first batch of five. Interesting. And it got a K through A ratings, kids through adult, which was yeah. later changed to E for everybody. Yeah. Um, they they realized that having K dash A was just silly, and <laughs> Donkey Kong Country is the best selling non Nintendo developed game on the SNES. The top five is Mario Land, Mario All Stars, Donkey Kong Country coming in at number three as you mentioned earlier in the episode. Mario Kart is at number four. Street Fighter Two is number five, and Donkey Kong Country is number six, just outside the top five. Which is impressive that Donkey Kong Country yeah. has two games in the top six super nintendo games uh you said mario land you obviously meant what? super mario world 
Mar- yeah, Mario World. Sorry. <laughs> why why was it that all of the the Game Boy games were lands and the, the console games were worlds? Maybe You're they right. just were bigger on consoles. I don't know. Mario World. Actually, um, the very most popular game on the Super Nintendo was people playing Super Mario Land with their Super Game Boy. So oh, I wasn't wrong. Is that it? Yeah, I wasn't wrong. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Well, that's good stuff. Um, yeah, I appreciate those, are those great. factoids. So, Lots of interesting. Thank you to Kenny Not ninety six at Fussell and at Adams. I will send you guys a message and shoot you out a little something in the mail. Yeah, yeah. All right. Let's move on to our bounty segment now, Jordan. Yes. Uh, it is still July as we are recording this episode, so it is still Poke Month. We uh, are not closing that bounty out just yet. Um, By the time this episode comes out, though, Pokemon will be over, right? Yes, but that's why we're not announcing our winner just yet. Uh, that will be in the next episode, episode 50, which is coinciding yeah. with our two-year anniversary. Whoa. Yes. Two years, 50 episodes, not including those bonus episodes. Those don't count. Jordan, can you believe we've done nearly 50 episodes of this show? Did you I ever- can. It, it feels like exactly 50. <laughs> Did you ever think when I, I called you two years ago and you were like, damn, when have I ever said no to one of your harebrained schemes? That's a fact. That we, <laughs> we'd we be sitting here two years later. I uh, um, I have a really hard time saying no to you. So um, I'm not I appreciate surprised. that. <laughs> I actually, I had an opportunity uh, a couple weeks ago to go on another podcast. My brother has a podcast and he was asking me like, how did you guys come up with this idea? And I was like, well, basically what happens is every day I wake up to a bunch of texts from Dan with a bunch of ideas <laughs> and um, there's a bunch that I just can't say no to. And then there's some that uh, I have to like slowly try to talk you out of, but you almost always <laughs> get me to go along with whatever you want to do. So I believe it. I, I'm not surprised oh, that man. we are going to be recording episode number 50 in just a couple short weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So with all that being said, with it being episode 50, we are going to theme this, the August bounty around um, us, two year anniversary kind of a thing. Yes. We're going to be very selfish. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, We are. So if you've been listening a while, you know, we love our Retron fives. Yes. Uh, so we want to give away a Retron five this month. Yeah. That's an incredible price. Yeah. We think it's great. It plays a bunch of different consoles and it's got like built in cheats. Once you load them on the SD card and you can use original controllers and save states. And it's just a, it's a, I'm a big fan of the Retron five for better or for worse. If you are a retro gamer who loves playing, Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Game Boy. If you love playing those old games, you need a Retron 5 because Mm -hmm. it upscales those old games. If you ever try to plug in your Nintendo or Super Nintendo to your flat screen TV and you're like, why does it look so blurry and crappy? You will not have that problem with the Retron 5. Mm -hmm. It is going to make your games look good. It's going to give you those cheat codes and you're just going to use up a lot less space on your shelf because you can play (laughs) five, five consoles in one machine. It's amazing. Oh, man. 
Yeah. Uh, so this month's entry is going to be, let us know what your favorite episode of the podcast is. You know, we've been around yes. for two years. We've covered a lot of ground. And um, so just let us know what your favorite episode is. You can send us a DM on Twitter or Instagram. You can email us at worth it or worthless podcast at gmail.com and just let us know. Yeah, that that's all you got to do. You just got to let us know if you want to enter the the sweepstakes. Is it a sweepstakes? It's a get it's a giveaway. It's a bounty, a bounty hunt. Yeah. And uh, another thing we're going to do this month, if you want bonus entries, you can leave us a review, take a screenshot of that review and send that to us as well. And this is also going to be open if you've already left us a review. We super appreciate that. You can also take a screenshot of your old review and let us know that you sent that in and you'll get an extra entry in this, uh, this month's bounty. Double your chances to win that Retron 5. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It would basically be like a Retron 10 at that point because you have twice <laughs> as many chances Just, of winning it. No, no. Jordan, where can people find us on social media? You can find us on Instagram and on Twitter at W-I-O-W podcast. And yeah, that's where you can find us. I was going to list some more things, but that's really it. I mean, you can find us on Facebook if you're really down with Facebook. If you want to um, <laughs> wade through the waters of your grandpa arguing about taxes or whatever, you can find us on Facebook. But most people find us on Twitter or on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so episode 50 is going to be a bit of a two-year celebration. We are going to touch base with where the podcast began. And we are finally covering Turtles in Time. It took us two years, but we're finally here, and I'm so excited. We had it pretty well spaced out. We started the show with Hyperstone Heist, and then, like, several, you know, a bunch of episodes later, we covered, uh, what did we do next? The arcade game? Uh, no, I, I think it was Manhattan Project 16 where we did Manhattan Project, and I think it was, like, 31 where we did arcade game. And then now it's almost, you know, it's like, it's they're about 16 episodes apart, 16, 17 episodes apart between Ninja Turtle games. There you go. So that'll work. So we're finishing off the, the quadrility, the tetralogy. <laughs> Is it a tetralogy? I don't even know. We're, we're finishing off the last of the four major ones. And from here on out, you're just going to be getting like tournament fighters and random Game Boy games. So appreciate <laughs> these classic, um, legendary turtles games while they last. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, anyways, <laughs> uh, one last thing. I'm working on uh, a review of the Double Dragon Kunio Kun Retro Brawler bundle. Uh, so if you're interested in some interesting video content, you can go ahead and subscribe to us on YouTube. I'm trying to put out monthly videos at this point. Um, so hopefully, you know, you guys check that out and you like it. And I would love to know what you think and what you might want to hear from us um but yeah it's just another another uh another way that we're trying to make content so all right jordan do you have anything else before we close out the show with our music segment um the only thing i can think of is i really hope nobody sends us a message or a comment this episode telling me to get good because i really tried (laughs) super hard you guys i tried to get good and i hope you're all proud of me because if you're not, then what is this all for? What am I even doing this for if you're not proud of me? Oh, man. All right. Uh, so, first of all, I want to say, if you compose music, you do game music, you do chip tunes, you do anything that you think that our audience might be interested in, let us know, and we might feature it on the show. Um, 
this week's track is going to be one of my favorite chip tunes, uh, and I always love coming back to it, especially when I haven't heard it in a while. It's just so good. Uh, it's a song called Behemoth by Danimal Cannon off Ooh. the... <laughs> yeah yes. off the album lunaria uh if you're not familiar with danimal cannon he's a really great chiptune artist and he plays guitar and he's also part of a band called arm cannon that has a bunch of like great covers from movies and games and all that kind of stuff and i highly recommend diving into his world because his music is really good um yes. i don't think you'll be disappointed at all uh we've kind of aired heavily on like the remix sort of lo-fi so if you are into metal slash chiptune i think that this is going to be for you and i hope that you really like it Yes, don't you dare. Don't you stop navigating over to This American Life right now and wait for the end of this episode because it's about to blow your mind. (laughs) All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you in the next one. We'll see ya. Bye. Hey guys, I just wanted to add one thing real quick to the end of the episode. If you enjoy the music that you hear, you can find all the information in the description of the episode itself. You can also find Danimal Cannon on his Bandcamp page or at danimalcannon.com. Thanks for listening, guys. Hope you enjoy. Thank you for joining us for this LTN special where we take a spotlight on a podcast from someone within the Love Thy Nerd community. Again, this was Worth It or Worthless, a retro game podcast. You can go follow them at all the podcast places and all the social medias and find out just what they're up to on a semi-weekly basis. They have a recent episode where they review games that are popular during holiday times, games that you play with family together. It's a really good one as well that you should check out next. Hey, we got another one of these coming up next Wednesday and next Friday. We're just going to keep putting spotlights on awesome content creators that love, love thy nerd, and we love them too. So we hope that you're enjoying these specials, and we're going to bring you a lot more the rest of this month as our normal shows take a bit of a break. Our normal shows will return in January, but until then, I think this has been a fun excursion. Hey, if nobody else tells you, remember this, because it's always true. Jesus loves you, nerd.